0: Hi, I'm John Frankie for SearchSAP.com. Today we're speaking with searchsap.com career expert John Reed of JohnerP.com and Dan Lubin, Director of IT for Abiomed, a medical devices manufacturer. Thank you both for joining us.
1: Sure, this is John Reed. Happy to join you on the podcast today. And Dan Lubin with Abiomed.
0: John, Dan, and I are going to be talking about SAP implementations from a slightly different angle. And with that, I'll turn it over to John Reed to explain a little more.
1: So welcome to this uh, podcast interview with our special guest, Daniel Lubin, who's the Director of Information Technology at at Abiumed. We're going to talk with Dan about the human side of SAP implementations at Abiumed and how they address those challenges. Uh, This podcast is hosted by Search SAP, and it was made possible by a joint collaboration between Search SAP and my site, JohnERP.com. Daniel, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. So why don't we kick off with a broader view and tell us a bit about your company and how SAP supports your corporate services.
2: Sure, so Abumed is based in Danvers, Mass. And we're a leading developer, manufacturer, marketer of medical products designed to assist to replace the pumping function of the failing heart. So we currently manufacture and sell the AB5000 circulatory support system and the BBS5000 ventricular support system for the temporary support of all patients with failing but potentially recoverable hearts. We also developed the AbiaCore implantable, replaceable heart. And in Europe, uh, we offer the minimally invasive Impella circulatory support system under CE mark approval. Uh, The Impella 5.0 and 2.5 are investigational devices, uh, not sold in the U.S. currently. Um, We have other Impella devices that aren't yet available for sale in the U.S. either. Obviously, as you can imagine, a big focus uh, uh, of our efforts this year is in bringing those devices uh, around the globe. Sure. And how does SAP fit into your your efforts promoting those products? Sure. So as a manufacturer, um, we have the, the same requirements that any manufacturing company does, with the added uh, with the added um, areas of, of compliance and, and obviously quality being the the thing that we all. Uh, hold dear, especially in medical devices. So SAP supports our, our finance and manufacturing functions. Uh, it supports our supply chain. Um, it helps us manage our people with, uh, with the human resources module. It ensures that we have uh, the highest quality through the, the quality management system in, in, in SAP, uh, in addition to allowing us to, to analyze and, and measure key performance indicators for our business using
1: SAP's business warehouse and business intelligence tools. Gotcha. So now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty a little bit. I understand that you guys implemented SAP's all-in-one package in 26 weeks, so how the heck did you pull that off? Well, it was 26
2: long weeks, and certainly, as you can imagine, John, they weren't eight-hour days. Um, But, uh, you know, we implemented with, again, in 26 weeks, with no full-time resources from from an Abumed perspective. So my team was comprised of, of, of folks from every function that was impacted by SAP, um, but all of those folks had full-time jobs, and we gave them another full-time job, which was the conversion from our 30-plus, you know, 20-year-old uh, um, legacy environment to to the all-in-one system. Um, you know, helping us, obviously, was a, a, a team of consultants aligned with the different functional areas and, uh, and I think a whole lot of luck
1: as well. I first met you on a... CIO panel that you appeared on at Sapphire, and what struck a chord with me, and I think what will interest a lot of our listeners today, was how your company, which is a mid-sized company implementing SAP, you were able to pursue all the latest SAP technologies that you needed on your project, and yet you found a way to staff those new technical areas where often there aren't a lot of experienced consultants. So how did you make
2: that happen? Well, we were lucky in terms of the partner that we worked with. Um, I think that, you know, a big part of the selection process, you know, when you're looking to implement DRP isn't just selecting the software, but also selecting the right implementation provider uh, and making sure that they bring their best and brightest to bear on on your project. At the same time, you know, as as we looked at managing what clearly was a larger environment than we had um, prior to SAP, and, and that's any system would have been larger because we were moving from a number of stovepipe or individual applications to one integrated system. Uh, we realized that, you know, we had two choices. We could either bring in a large technical team. In other words, we could, we could create the empire of IT, so to speak, or we could look at strategically how we could partner with other companies that were experts at different areas of the SAP environment to ensure that we had our risk obviously mitigated properly. Um, but at the same time, still retain the flexibility within the business um, that that you tend to lose if you you know if you try and hire twenty people you know overnight to uh, to run your environment. So it was a combination of, from an implementation standpoint, great consultants um, with a, with a good process as dictated by SAP their ASAP process, and then from an operational standpoint, you know leveraging some of the experts that are out there in areas of basis administration, so managing the application landscape, um, SAP security, and then both on- and offshore development to ensure that when we had something that need to change, that that we had the the, the experts out there to do it for us without having to worry about the bandwidth issues that any company has when they try and use their internal team for everything.
1: I'm glad you brought up the offshore piece. How did you uh, find a way to work the offshore uh, Model into your implementation, and did you find that it really did reduce your your cost to provide the value you were looking for? Yes. Yeah, so we use offshore resources really in two areas. We use
2: them um, for some of our validation uh, and compliance testing. So, in other words, you know, as a, as a company that produces products that are regulated by the FDA, we have to we have to not only as every company would, get SAP or get their ERP to work, but we also have to ensure that it's fully validated. Uh, and as a public company, we have to make sure that we're compliant with Sarbanes-Oxley. And so one of the ways that we've outsourced is we, we on a project basis, use a firm with a U.S. presence but with offshore uh, resources to, to do some of that testing. And then the other way is for ad hoc development. That complex report, that area of the human resources module, we don't have expertise. We use uh, we use teams uh, um, offshore as well uh, in different parts of the world. And what's worked for us is working with U.S. companies, okay, that have that offshore capability. Um, I think that coming from large, a larger company background, you know, in a big company environment, you can manage offshore teams directly, and I think have great success. But in a smaller company environment, which, you know, obviously Abumet is, is is firmly in the mid-market, uh, we really need to have that local presence or that U.S. presence and let them be the experts at managing their resources offshore. So we didn't really look to offshore, John. What we looked for was to bring the blended rate for services down. And so in our opinion, we're really not... In a way, we're not offshoring, we're just getting a lower rate
1: because the companies we work with here in the U.S. are leveraging resources offshore. That makes sense. Another thing that you mentioned at Sapphire that I thought was interesting was you talked about how uh, many functional consultants had too narrow a skill set for what your team was looking for. Can you explain uh, what went into that remark?
2: Yeah, the, the analogy I use, and it's a little hokey, is, is that you know pipes don't leak, it's the joints that leak you know, in plumbing. And and I think that in the SAP landscape or in any ERP, um, the challenge is, is that each module or area of SAP is so functional and so big that it's a career path. So if you're an expert in human resources, for example, you may be the best human resources person in the world, but you may not understand the interactions with finance or workflow um, and and similarly throughout the system you might have an expert in materials who doesn't really know what happens when someone tries to build something with those materials on the on the manufacturing floor and so the challenge that you have um, working with an integrated system is managing the interactions between the different functional areas that that work inside of a business cycle so it's not production it's not materials it's not those things It's it's plan to procure, it's procure to pay. It's, it's within those cycles where you have multiple disciplines involved. And we have the same issue from a business standpoint as well. You know, the folks in our customer service area don't know everything that happens in the materials area, even though the customer service folks are selling those materials. You know, they don't know all about materials and logistics and, and whatnot. And so the challenge you have in the consulting world is finding and managing that gray area between those disciplines to ensure that you get a uh, cohesive um, business process articulated into the
1: software. That's really good feedback. We uh, often advise consultants to make sure they have a narrow enough focus where they can achieve some mastery, but I think sometimes we lose the message that if they don't understand how that area of mastery ties into other aspects of SAP, they're not going to bring the kind of value that a lot of customers are expecting right now.
2: Yeah, you know, we tell we have a million a million analogies, John. But you know, just you know, we we made it. You know, we made a change in one area um, to our work orders in our production floor uh, to make life easier on our operators, which was a terrific change to make, and it made sense on the floor. Not realizing that that would kick off uh, spurious you know planned purchase orders to our purchasing group, you know, by the bushel, and so you know, a great change in manufacturing became a you know, became a cleanup effort in, you know, in the procurement organization. So, again, everybody made the right decisions. It's just a matter of no one can know the whole system. And so the level of collaboration around what you do with the system has to go up markedly compared to what you might have done before in a less integrated environment.
1: Sure. As part of your staffing model, did you look at bringing in full-time employees that had uh, SAP backgrounds to contribute Absolutely, and so, you know,
2: we, and we have done that. We've brought in one very senior uh, reporting analyst uh, who helps us with some of the programming around some of the reports and forms and labels and so on that we need. Uh, over the course of the next year, I think that we will look to bring on a couple of additional resources um, to make sure as we, that we're leveraging things like business intelligence to, as I've kind of put it to my team, to address those issues that are, that are big enough to be addressed but too small to be packaged and outsourced comfortably or cost efficiently, and so you know, will we ever have a 20-person SAP team? No, we have one dedicated person now. Will we grow that to two or three as we bring uh, our operations in Europe online? Yeah, we probably we probably will. Um, but that's really more to do with the natural growth of our utilization of SAP and the growth of the business. Um, not so much the need to
1: add a lot of headcount to support SAP. Sure. Now we know you you definitely achieved some benefits through your SAP implementation, including all the uh, compliance aspects you're able to fulfill. Uh, but your users did go through a lot during the implementation. And uh, how do they feel about their their daily jobs using SAP and such? Are they on board with what's happening, or do they kind of ever tell you, "Hey, I wish it was the way it was before SAP came along." It's a great question. I think that,
2: you know, I mean, certainly do we have people, you know, and I'll make the joke, even though this is a podcast, do I have anybody with an SAP tattoo? (laughs) You know, probably not. At the same time, you know, we did introduce a lot of change to the business. And we had the benefit of a set of legacy systems that no one liked. So in a world of there's nowhere to go but up, SAP was definitely a step up in terms of, you know, how people feel today, uh, whether they go back. No, they wouldn't go back. I think that, you know, in terms of the, the frustrations where they exist, well, one, I think they exist in any environment in any company. But two, as we brought our business processes into SAP, we brought a level of rigidity to those processes that people I don't think necessarily anticipated in every area. And so the the way I sort of explain it internally is where process and practice didn't meet, people have felt, you know, people have felt more pain. And it's a good thing because we've taken variability out of the execution of processes, which means that we're executing consistently, but at the same time that can be interpreted negatively to mean that we've reduced our flexibility. And so I think that's an area where people continue to get more and more comfortable um but we've seen, as you mentioned, you know, tremendous benefits in terms of the visibility to data, the visibility into our WIP uh, into our supply chain, um, the the 90 plus percent improvement we've had uh, in terms of our travel and expense reimbursement process, which has been a particular benefit for our field clinical and salespeople. Um, and we're going to see even bigger benefits once we bring our operations in Europe online and bring our global consolidations into SAP, which is a, which is going to be a huge
1: leap forward for us, a project we kicked off just two weeks ago. Excellent. You uh, were very uh, clear at Sapphire that your staff did struggle a little bit with burnout during the implementation cycle, and I admired that you said that because uh, when we talk about the human side of L- SAP implementations, we often think about people, you know, almost like fulfilling these robot-like functions on the implementation team, how did you deal with situations where you thought your team was a little spent and you, you, you were trying to tell them, hey, just 20 more yards to go, we're almost there. How did you uh, get through those times? So, I mean, you, you have to put a lot of effort into the human side of the
2: implementation. I mean, the, the fact is, and everyone knows it is, is that the clock is ticking. You know, the dollars are being spent in terms of consulting and distraction from our daily, our daily jobs um, and that the only salvation is to take the system live. to to get to the finish line, which is really just another starting line. Um, You know, we spent a lot of time over-communicating. We bought a lot of lunches. You know, you spend a lot of time trying to communicate with folks one-on-one. You do everything that you can, just like you would in any project, whether it's ERP or you could be building a house, you know, making sure that people understand, one, that they're appreciated, um, you know, two, that their efforts are important and valuable, and three, that everyone's working towards a goal, and what you have to do is continue to raise the visibility of that goal. Um, the further into the project, the more people started to get that sort of level of exhaustion. And, you know, certainly it's, it's just something that you have to manage. And, again, you manage it through communication. You manage it through, you know, lending a kind ear. And you manage it through highlighting people's successes, you know, giving them an extra hand when they need it, and, and ultimately rewarding them for their successes um, as, as we get the project completed.
0: You guys both brought up some points that I think were interesting. Dan, you had said during this fast implementation, it was almost like people were working two jobs. And, uh, John, you made the point, And I also know very few employees who are actual robots, EV 1.0 or EV 2.0 or something <laughs> like that. And just because it's a topic that tends to get a little bit lost in the technology and other aspects of a project, could you maybe just talk a little bit more about keeping morale up, and keeping people motivated?
2: Ultimately, what, what I'll say is is that you have to put a lot of effort into not only being that, that extra shoulder when someone needs to, to push the door open, but also to keep people motivated. And certainly, you know, we did make sure that, that we recognized the efforts of the employees that worked on the implementation. And, I, you know, I'm glad you brought the question up because I think this is a mistake that, that companies tend to make. I've seen it in other, you know, in other companies um, where... People think about something like ERP as just another part of the job and and don't realize that, as I had said earlier, that it's a second full-time job during the course of the implementation and beyond. And so it's critically important that senior management recognize uh, that this is a huge effort and it's a huge uh, set of responsibilities you're putting onto your your team and that people are going to have to go above and beyond the call for the project to be successful. And in turn, the company's got to make sure that they reward and recognize that.
1: And I think we did a good job of that here. Absolutely. SAP talks a lot about uh, SOA functionality and the new enterprise services architecture and how it can help companies add functionality with less ripping out the code from the interior and and doing custom work. Have you guys looked at SOA functionality as part of your implementation either now or going forward? By the nature of what we implemented, we have SOA
2: right because we implemented you know the netweaver platform we implemented you know the, the landscape that is designed around you know kind of the SOA concept at the same time our commitment as a company in terms of our strategy is to leverage SAP out of the box as much as we possibly can and so where we where we have a system that isn't SAP we have to really challenge whether it needs to exist if it does need to exist can we do whatever it does inside of SAP and if we can't then what level of integration can we achieve? Um, What we're not looking to do is develop applications in the NetWeaver platform that are unique. So that, again, in the mid-market, I think that's probably common. Uh, Maybe not. You would certainly know better than I would. But our goal at this point is is to continue to leverage the immense functionality out of the
1: box um, as much as we can for as many areas of the business as we can. One of the things that intrigued me about your implementation is you mentioned you estimated up to 35% of the work involving the implementation was directly related to compliance. Can you say more about how you integrated compliance initiatives into your SAP install? Sure. So again, I mean, we take compliance very seriously at Abumet, as, as you would hope that we
2: would. Um, and so whether it's, you know, whether it's Sarbanes-Oxley or whether it's uh, FDA and the validation process, those are incredibly important to us. And we had resources, external resources, who are experts in both of those fields uh, that helped us with areas like the design of our roles, uh, so the design of, of who can do what in SAP to ensure that they can do their jobs, but so that we don't have any issues with, segregation of duties with other areas to ensure that we're monitoring the right things so that um, spurious or, or inappropriate transactions aren't being conducted in the system, or if they are, that they're being caught. And, and luckily, a year later, that, that hasn't been a problem for us. And to ensure that from, a, from an FDA standpoint that, and this is most important, that the system does what it's supposed to do, that the expiration date on a, on a component, you know, a raw material that we received, is properly reflected on the finished good that we ship. And so going back to some of the outsourcing we talked about earlier, we leverage a firm who are experts at SAP security. We leverage a firm that were experts at Sarbanes-Oxley in, a, in an IT or in a, a, a technology world. And we leverage experts at validations and testing in SAP to ensure that, that, we, uh, that, that we were compliant in that way as well as keeping our external auditors um, in the loop throughout the project so that everyone knew, internal audit, external audit, the project team, the consulting team, everyone knew that these tracks, so we had tracks around the implementation but also tracks around infrastructure, security, compliance, and so on, that these
1: tracks all had equal weight in the success of the implementation. It's interesting how you mentioned earlier that your users have given you a bit of pushback on how heavily structured things have become, but I also have to wonder if they might, feel a little bit easier going to sleep at night knowing that the compliance structure is so built in now where they know that everything they're doing relates to whatever the FDA and other regulatory bodies expect
2: of your company. Yeah, I would tend to agree. The kind of data we can get from the system now is, you know, with every, every passing day becomes more useful and that feeling that, you know, that the system will, act, will do what you tell it to do flawlessly uh, i think does add a level of comfort it certainly added a level of comfort for me as i work with you know the audit teams uh... to know that you know the system if it's designed correctly you know that the logic is going to execute flawlessly the first time you you go through a process and the millionth time you go through a process i think the other thing too is is that people are gaining comfort in knowing that and this is typical in mid-market companies and smaller companies where you have process dominance between the ears of an individual meaning that, John, if you worked here, you'd be the expert at this area, and there'd be certain things that only you would know sort of how to do, no matter how well documented your business process was. And people are gaining comfort from the fact that SAP gives us a standard way of doing a lot of things, right? And so they know that, that you could be sick today, and those processes could continue to flow.
1: So are there any other lessons learned from going through this rapid install that uh, that we haven't covered that you want uh, other small, medium-sized companies to know going in? Sure.
2: I mean, I think that, you know, every implementation is, is certainly is different. Every company is different. But there's some I think there's some common lessons learned for us that are probably worth covering. One of the things that we learned is we tried to, as I mentioned at the beginning of the, of the podcast, we tried to go with a, a completely part-time team from an AbiMed perspective, meaning none of our folks were were full-time on the project, and, the, and that worked in almost every area, but the one area it did not work in was project management. The one role that I didn't fund that I absolutely would have funded given the opportunity to do it all over again was that key project management role, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, there were areas, so as you know in the SAP space, SAP gives you not one, not two, but five or ten best practices that you can adopt in your implementation. And where we decided that we had to be special, so where we were so unique that we couldn't use any of those best practices, uh, where we did something completely different, we now realize we've taken on a management burden or a maintenance burden for those proprietary processes. And that's something that, again, if we could do it all over again, we would have pushed harder uh, to align with SAP best practices. I think the last piece, and probably the again the one that you've probably heard a million times, is we could have done more training. We could have done more. You know, we could have done more uh, knowledge transfer. We could have done more to take possession of the system at the point that we went live with it than than we did. And then that I think also goes back to the amount of attention that we could put in. To, to the uh, in, into the implementation. And just to, to give you a fourth one, the areas that put a lot of effort into documenting their business processes, the areas that put the most time into the most boring part of an implementation, which is writing everything down, are the areas that a year later are having the most success with SAP today.
0: Great, great. And one other thing I was just kind of interested in also is you hear a lot, or at least I've heard a lot, about knowledge transfer and training in these projects being so important but also i feel like a lot of small and mid-sized businesses have a very kind of limited budget for their project as a whole where would you take away in order to bolster this knowledge transfer and training component
2: yeah so it's a good question i think that you know knowledge transfer in a well-run implementation knowledge transfer is a byproduct of the implementation um, I think the training is, is a little bit different story where you tend to have to allocate a budget line to it. But I think where, where, where I would do things to ensure that we had knowledge transfer is, you know, if necessary, I'd reduce the, the scope of functionality. Um, I would assign more resources to the project. The only thing I wouldn't do, and this may seem counterintuitive, is I wouldn't stretch out the timeline because there's a natural progression to an implementation, and there's a point of diminishing returns where you, know, you just at some point realize you just have to take the system live for the project to proceed. So, again, I would do less, and I would try and put more people at the initiative, internal resources at the initiative, before I would do something with, with the timeline. The other logic behind that is is that you learn so much by doing and you really no matter how much testing and configuring you do you don't start doing until you go live
1: well that's an excellent point point. one of the funny things you said at sapphire that i'm going to wrap with here i'm going to put your words back on you and see what you have to say today you talked about the great benefits you receive from sap but you also joked you would never implement sap again so as we wrap today how would you reconcile those two perspectives for us
2: john i the one thing i do have is a pretty good memory so what comment was I've done ERP a number of times in a few different industries, and so the joke that I always tell is is that every time I complete an ERP implementation, I say, I'm never going to do this again. And so if you've ever built a house, you know, if you've ever moved cross-country or any of those things, I'm sure, you know, you would probably say the same thing. It was a great experience, and I hope I never sure. do it again. In terms of SAP specifically, the fact is, is that, you know, you get a whole different, and I've done other sort of, I guess, second or third-tier packages you get a whole different level of consulting resource they're fantastic compared to the folks you get with some of the lower lower end packages Um, you get a methodology that you know was a huge differentiator for us when we were looking at selecting a new erp system so you get a tried and true methodology you get an incredible library of best practices that as i mentioned earlier that if you choose to adopt you'll get huge benefit from and you get a not to sound like a, a salesperson or a magazine writer. you get an ecosystem in the SAP world of consulting resources, support resources, offshoring and outsourcing services that that doesn't exist in, in any other ERP environment, and that's not because SAP needs it it's because so many people use it. I mean it's just fantastic to be able to go out there and ask a question and know that there's a million people who who could answer the question and what i found in the s a p world is people are pretty friendly if they know the answer they're happy to help you out and so that those are the things that coming from a proprietary system or a system that less than thirty companies in the world still used um, going into this broad world of s a p where there's so many people using it, it has just been fantastic so if I had to do it all over again, meaning if I had to do ERP all over again, you know, I certainly would do SAP again. The proof to that is is that we kicked off our implementation in Europe week before last, and I'm headed back over there to really what has turned out to be a very excited
1: team who can't wait to start to use it. Great. Well, best of luck with the European implementation, and uh, we hear your message loud and clear to the gain was definitely worth any pain you might have encountered. And I think a lot of listeners will appreciate the fact that you didn't spin that too much, but were honest about what you went through. So thank you so much for joining us today and sharing those insights. That oh, was fantastic. Thanks for uh, thanks for having the conversation. Great. Well, with that, I'd like to thank our listeners for joining us today for this podcast interview on SAP Staffing Trends. This podcast was a joint venture between Search SAP and my website, com, bringing you career answers for SAP professionals. And with that, I'd like to turn this back to our host, John Frankie of Search SAP.
0: Thanks so much for joining us, John and Dan. And that about does it for this edition of SearchSAP.com's podcast series. Until next time, I'm John Frankie. Thanks for joining us.